Yo, what's good? It's your boy CJ King. Look, and I'm rocking with the homie Rick Sincere. I'm going to need y'all to keep it locked right here on MTMV Sports. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big. I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Hey, how y'all doing? It's Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports. So geeked to be joined today uh, by my man, Jay Stevens. Joe, Jay Stevens joined us just the other day for our initial, our annual uh, mock draft. I thought it was a really, really dope interaction. Dude was just dropping facts after facts. And even when Conrad hit him with the, that's a stupid pick. He was still like, yo, let's go to war. You know what I mean? So he was ready to, he was ready for whatever it was, man. I was super geeked to have him on, um, on our, on our, on my draft. And I'm very happy to have him on the podcast today. Uh, Jay Stevens of the Jay Stevens uh, podcast, bro. How you doing today? Welcome to the show. Good, man. Thanks, Rick, for having me here. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Yo, so I have to ask you this question, bro. Like, all right, the last dance dropped just last night right? The first mm-hmm. two episodes. And if you're a sports fanatic, you probably were glued to your tube. And, and you told me just recently you was, you was ready. You was in there for all, you know, both episodes and you stayed up all night watching it. I did the same. I did the same. My wife was in the other room ready for me to come and she just never saw me. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy <laughs> I'm trying to relive what happened in my, in those Jordan days, bro. Um, give me your first impressions of episode one. Let's, let's even start at episode one. Give me your first impression of episode one. My first impression, and even before they got into the Jerry Krause and um, um, Michael Jordan going back to college and things like that, his rookie season, my first impression was it reminded me of how much Michael Jordan means to everybody. And I'm sitting here looking at it. I think the first, the very first clip Mike's back is to us. He's sitting down looking outside a window. But just literally that whole entire scene of flashing in and seeing Mike in that setting, it's like, man, Mike is different. And I dropped the podcast episode today, and the title was Mike is just different. Like, he's just a different type of individual. And there's things about Michael Jordan. We see the bald head. We see the mustache. We see the, the, uh, the, the leg sleeve on the right leg. We see the armband he had. And there's things about Michael Jordan you try to emulate, but, the, but Mike is just different. And that was my first thing when I noticed it. It was like, this reminds me, and it shows young people. I'm 31. I, was, I, I got to really watch the tail end and kind of understand Mike at the tail end of his Bulls career. Now, the, the Wizards career, I got all that part. But the tail end of his Bulls career, I kind of got more of who Mike was. But I couldn't, I'm 10 years old, man. I don't understand Michael Jordan like, like the old heads do where they talk about like, man, Mike is just different. Like I couldn't understand it, but via YouTube and all the interviews and Michael Jordan with the wizards and all that kind of stuff. And then even now um, with the Hornets, I'm, I'm noticing now in just that first little five second clip, Michael Jordan is different. We can talk about Derek Jeter, uh, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods is on the same, same, same kind of realm where he's different in his own right. But Tiger Woods and Mike, they're in a class of their own where, Somebody may get more championships than Mike. Somebody may get more wins than Tiger Woods, but Mike is just different. And my first thought was they they portrayed that in such a great way that everything else, it was like, hey, uh, my whole my whole thought process within the first five seconds was, man, I hope this is commercial free. I know I got to pay y'all bills, <laughs> but I hope this is commercial free. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Those commercials were short, which is really, really good because, you know, yeah. people would have been complaining. But just Michael Jordan, man, he is just a different cat. How'd you feel about them airing it unedited? Like, unedited, just, like, go for it. Just whatever it is, go for it. How'd you feel about that? I enjoyed it. I'm kind of – I'm glad that they did because a a guy like Michael Jordan, we already know Mike – Michael had issues with certain things, the gambling – um, had some marital issues. Like, I know I'm getting ahead of from what they're talking about now, but we knew Michael Jordan already had issues. And I think if you want to really depict who Michael Jordan is – you have to talk about the cocaine circus. Like you have mm. to talk about those types of things with Michael Jordan to help you understand every single dynamic that goes into Michael Jordan, the Bulls, um, his upbringing and everything like that and kind of the language that they use. I mean, they dropped the F-bomb a little bit and yeah, they could have bleeped it out. We could have kind of guessed and figured out what it was, but them, them uh, dropping that and, and not bleeping it out, I think it was well-timed and perfect and 
it helps us truly understand what was going on with Michael Jordan during uh, that time of his career. Now let's hop into this uh, cross situation, bro. Like I, I had no clue. And, and honestly, you're right. You know, as a, as a young kid, you're just kind of watching basketball. You watching Michael Jordan be a dominant individual, killing people on the court game by game. You feel what I'm saying? And, and we'll get into LeBron's situation in a second because we'll, I have to go there at some point, right? Um, okay. But you just watched, Le, you just watched um, Jordan do, do what he did, and you saw this team beautifully come together and beautifully kill teams on a, on a night-to-night basis. However, right, you didn't know there was some little guy behind the scenes kind of like really about to destroy this whole dynasty, really about to wreck this whole ship. And when I say little guy, don't mean any offense <laughs> to Krause. But what I'm saying is there's some guy behind the scenes ready to wreck this whole situation. Bro, tell me, um, tell me about his involvement in killing off this dynasty. It's interesting because we all assumed in I, – okay, so – Take us back in my my situation, my life at this time. 98, game, I'll go back. Game six of that of that finals. I remember that because I was at Grandma's house of Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I For some reason, my, my dad decided to leave Grandma's house at the beginning of that game. So I'm at Grandma's house. Grandma loves Michael Jordan. And then Grandma, we leave Grandma's house. We, we drop two hours back home, get home right at the end of that game so I can see the shot and all that stuff. But in 99, I remember the Bulls blew up. Phil's gone, Mike's gone, Scotty's gone, Dennis Rodman's gone. I mean, every uh, – cool coach may have stayed, but even guys off the bench, I think Kerr may have gone to the Spurs at that time. Judd, Judd Bushler off the bench was gone. So I'm like, what is this? This doesn't make no sense. And then you go into this last dance last night, and you see that there is before the season, and they kind of talk about how they get the title of the last dance. Phil Jackson knew going into this season – that if he, they went undefeated, didn't lose nothing, eighty-two or no, and then I think, and then they won every game in the playoffs. He was getting fired, and most people, I don't know how you are, I know how I am. Most people under those situations, we fold mentally. We are yeah. saying that I'm going to fold mentally. I am not going to keep going. Yeah, I may coach, but in crucial situations, I'm folding my arms. I'm sitting back on the bench. I'm drinking my drinking the water, get it, whatever they got over there, because it's too much pressure for me. Phil Jackson knew it. Scotty knew it. Everybody on the Bulls knew it. Even Dennis Rodman knew it. And Dennis Rodman, as crazy as he is, he didn't fold. He didn't, he didn't fall under, under anything. So even though Jerry Krause, I'm going to try to give a, a testament to the players and the coaches at that time, even though the, Jerry Krause was the guy that before the season, his ego got too big. They even talked about how he went out to eat with Tim Floyd, who would eventually be the, the successor to Phil Jackson. As dumb as that sounds to us now, as dumb as it was then, that was they already saw the writing on the wall. Phil, you're out of here. Mike, Mike already said, if Phil ain't coaching, I ain't gonna be here. So I'm like, this it makes no sense to us now. But at the same time, you have to you have to give credit to every player, every coach, everybody on the medical staff, everybody there for sake. Even though Jerry Krause has an ego, even though Jerry Krause has an issue with himself and not just really trying to give these guys credit and let them keep on this run. The players, the coaches, Phil, Mike, Scotty, Dennis, Tony Kukoc, Luke Longley, Steve Kerr, I could go through the whole, the whole roster. Those guys deserve credit because they, they did it very, very well and showed us Jerry Krause. You're not the guy we, you, you're not as good as some would hope you would be, but the players and the coaches, man, under that type of pressure, especially in the day when which we live now, worse than before, there's a lot of people listening to this. They'll be like, man, if that was – if my boss told me at the end of the season I'm gone, you might as well just sit me out, sit me out the door now. <laughs> but those guys, man, even though it was a different time, you still have the same issues and pressure mentally that we do now. We're human. You guys don't change. And I'm like, hey, y'all, Phil, you guys deserve a lot of credit because Jerry pushed on a bad situation and y'all still came out there and did, and did it, did it right. Yo, so, okay, let, let's play devil's advocate for a second, man. And, and, mm-hmm. and devil, because, you know, he's going to be right up there with Carol Baskins in this situation. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to figure this out, man. Okay, look, I, and I posed this question to Kev, Preach Kev, man, of the prophets. Um, and I'm going to pose it to you right now. I posed it to him on Twitter. I'm going to pose it to you live. All right, now imagine you're a Krause, right? Imagine mm-hmm. you're him. And you're, you know, in control of this whole situation. And you can say how this happens. You can say, you know, how this, whether we move on or whether this blows up. You have guys on your team, under your, you know, leadership, 
who are outright disrespecting you on a night-to-night basis. And as opposed to just disrespecting you, they are disrespecting the entirety of your manhood, right? Yeah. Like, just just straight up. on Every time they see you, and, and look, every time they see you, when they play around with you, when they talk to you, right, it's just a complete disrespect for the fact that you also are a male. <laughs> How would you... <laughs> <laughs> How would you deal with this situation? And would you let that go and keep the situation rolling? I'm hoping I'll, I'm going to say what I'm hoping, but then to get back to what I, how I, how I would respond. Okay. I'm hoping they, they kind of get, they kind of got those cameras, those exclusive cameras to those behind the scenes, closed door meetings. Another reason why I kind of like that it is unedited. The cursing is there because that's going to show us exactly how Jerry Cross responded in this situation. Because you get Mike, you get Scott, you got Dennis. Man, look at this. Look, if this man crosses Dennis Rodman crazy, Dennis Rodman, he's already not right in his head. This isn't Dennis Rodman from the, from the Pistons. Even like the Spurs when it was the early on of, of Dennis Rodman going crazy. This is Dennis Rodman dress wearing Dennis Rodman right now. So you got to be thinking like at any point in time, this guy's going to change how he acts so that people can't, people around him can be like, oh, okay, cool. Like this guy, I know how I got to act. You know, it's going to be the last season because I'm an idiot. I got to know how I got to act so that I can keep everybody intact. Now, how would I respond to this situation? I talk trash. Me personally, I talk trash a lot. So in those situations, and I even saw Mike, and my Mike was like, <laughs> that was laughing when he said this. He said, hey, Jerry, are you going to join us in the layup line? You got some, <laughs> you got some diet pills? Now, I'm like, hey, man, come on. I'm like, I'm like Mike, you ain't going to hit that man like that. We all know Mike had an ego, but that, that hits your manhood, like you mentioned earlier. That hits your, hand, that, that hits your manhood. That, that's a pride taker right there. One of my boys from high school used to call that a pride taker. That's, that's exactly what that is. <laughs> but I, I probably – I don't think I would do what Jerry did as far as before the season saying, Phil, if you go undefeated, you're still going to be out of here. But what I do think I would do in that situation, um, if I did go ahead and say that, if I was that idiotic at that time, I would start to check myself. Because the people in my life, friends, family, people, some people that don't even like me, they're like, hey, man, hold on. You're going to sit here and tell me the coach that has already won you five – I'm going to do this on, on, on camera – five championships in seven years, five in seven, you're going to get him up out the paint? Now, you can still honor – you can still honor your word and say, hey, yeah, you may be get up, you may be, you may be fired and we may blow this thing up, but you gotta treat these people right. Even if you want to be a man of your word and say, Yeah, I know I messed up, I'm not gonna go back on my word and still fire him or not resign his contract. I forget which detail it is. People in my life will say, Hey man, you have to treat him right. And if and it's it's clear, Jerry did not do that. So I'm hoping that they gave us some behind the scenes that we get to see more of Mike. Now, I, I know for a fact they're going to, because when you get Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman, a lot of times, you didn't get much talking about it. He didn't, like, he talked on the court, but he didn't talk like Mike on the court. So a lot of Dennis Rodman, it, it may be some locker room stuff where if you got women around there and they lock men in the locker room with towels on, towel may, I'm just saying, like, it may happen. Like, it's uncensored. Towel may come off. But with Dennis Rodman and Scotty and all these other guys, like, you're going to see every detail about how Jerry really handled them, and I'm I'm here for it. 100%. I'm here for it. So 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 you didn't tell me. Would you, would you blow him up? Would I blow the team up? Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely not. You would have ate that. Like you would have just you would have ate the the, the pride. You'd have been like, hey, forget it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. Now I, I may now I'm gonna keep him there, and I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Scott. I, I'm gonna keep giving Scotty more. Do what's needed to keep Mike, keep Phil. A couple pieces off the bench that may be gone. Like my starting five, I'm keeping Dennis Robin. I'm keeping Kukoc. I'm keeping Longley. I'll probably even keep Carl off the bench. You know, there's, there's those pieces off the bench that you can – are kind of like interchangeable. Like you're gone. I'll bring somebody else in and do the same thing for cheaper. You that, shipping Pippen? What's that? You shipping Pippen? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If I said that, I apologize. I'm not shipping anybody in the starting okay, five. Okay, okay. No, okay. sorry, sorry. I apologize. Um, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping everybody. Only guys that may be interchangeable are those off the bench. Um, because they kind of they kind of had that role there, but no, I'm I'm eating my. I'm sorry, I didn't. You're right, that didn't answer that question. I'm going to swallow my pride and say, wow. even though I messed up, even though I did that, I got to keep y'all. Because what Michael Jordan said, if we've won, if we're winning, we have the right, we have the right to defend what's ours until we lose it. And so, even though I may say, Phil, I know what I said earlier, but we got to keep you because we're still going to be winning. 
even with the early issues in the beginning with Pippen's injury and starting off the season a little bit shaky, I think they started, I think they lost their first four games of that season. I got to swallow my pride. I have no problem. Me personally, I have no, no problem admitting that I'm wrong, especially with me being a podcaster. Like, I, there will be times I come on and be like, I know I said X, Y, or Z, but I got to come back on here and say that I'm wrong. And me, I would say I'm wrong. I would swallow my pride. I may lose their trust, and that's happened because we're, we're human. But I would swallow my pride and say, hey, no, nope, we winning. We're not breaking this thing up at all. Even if we lose, we're, I'm not breaking it up. So I see what you're saying. So, so basically you're saying that Krause received the treatment he received because of his mistreatment or mishandling of his all-stars. And so if he were a better, you know, a handler, right, if he handled the situation better, right, then he wouldn't receive the type of treatment he received, not just because he was who he was, but because of the way he handled them, because Pippen was severely underpaid. Wait, let's get into that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. Here we go, yo. So, so Pippen, we find out, right? Not, not a crazy part about the whole thing is that, yo, we've been knowing this story for years. We've been knowing about Jordan and Pippen for years, right? But for some reason, nobody knew Pippen was being criminally underpaid, right? Like, I, I don't know why we didn't pay attention to it, but now all of a sudden it's a hot fact and everybody's going off about it. Yo, Pippen was criminally underpaid, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jordan at 33 million, Pippen at two, two? He was getting less than, than Kukoks. Like, he was getting less than a lot of the lesser stars on his team, bro. And, and hey, do the right. He got, he got his money later, right? Mm-hmm, in his next mm-hmm. contracts with, with Portland and with Houston, he got his money. Um, but still, at the end of the day, the Bulls didn't do him right. Talk to me about how, how criminally underpaid Pippen was and how that impacted um, his involvement in this dynasty. They knew what they were doing. And I currently sell cars as my day job. So there is a tactic that they didn't mention in the documentary that I think they used in the early 90s. In selling cars or you're selling something or you're providing a service to someone and you're, someone's paying for something, there is a tactic that at times, and I've seen people use it at, our, at the dealership quite a bit, kind of give you insight, knowledge, like when you go buy a car, like if someone tells you not to do it, go ahead and just don't do it, listen to them. Um, there are times that someone's trying to sell something to someone else and the person that's a seller or in this time, the owner or GM of the team, they know what they're doing is wrong. They know what they're doing. It's a, it's a friendly deal for them, not for the player. And it's not, it's not anything in the middle. If you, I mean, you think about it, seven years, $18 million. Pippen already had, and when he signed that contract, he was already one of the better guys in the NBA. I won't say best, but he was already on the trajectory to be an all-star, um, be all NBA. Like he had already shown that he had the skill set, he had the, the trajectory of the uh of getting better to be that kind of guy. But it, back to what I was talking about. No matter what, no matter how good you are trajectory, or no matter how the person across the table from you that's trying to buy something, there's a tactic that can be used that people say, don't buy this, don't do what I'm presenting to you. And it's a psychological thing. If you tell somebody, hey, man, I'm going to race you, but you can't beat me. The man you was like, I can beat you. I can beat you in a race. Just kind of give us something that you and the, the listeners can understand, like, on our everyday level. If someone says, I, or for better, playing mad or 2K, man, you can't beat me. Let's, let's get on the sticks. Come on now. Like, I've been practicing. I know you play every day. I know you play, I know you play online. Let's get on the sticks. Let's play. Same kind of thing. If somebody challenges you, telling you that you can't do something, you're more apt to do it. So same thing with car sales or the dealership life or, or even like negotiations that happen with contracts. They told Pippen not to do it. They knew Pippen's home life. They knew Pippen needed to help. And they talked about how he grew up with two people in a wheelchair, his dad yeah. and his brother. They knew that his family was struggling financially and he's from the country. Now, okay, I'm going to tell you. Ricky, you heard his brother talking on the, on the, on the, uh, on the documentary. His brother sounds just as country as Scotty does. But they knew that the upbringing and that what Scotty had, he didn't have much. He, he went to a small school as a manager and then worked his way up. But even then, his family didn't have much money. His family, his family didn't have the resources like other people do today. And so they knew that Scotty was in a position that the contract, even though it was a horrible contract, as a player, his, I'm, I'm, surprised, I'm, I'm surprised his agent to get talked about more. Because as an agent, you may, you you got to be the one to be like, hey, um, this ain't this ain't right. No player now today 
I don't I believe a player can sign a seven-year contract. And it may be because of what happened to Scottie Pippen. Most times it's four years. If you have your team as your, as your bird rights, it's five years. That's the max you can go. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't, and if you don't follow uh, teams and the contracts, play 2K. You, it's four years or five. It's, it's, it's just that easy. And they, they help you map it out. But they knew. They told Pippen, don't take this contract. Don't do it. And they knew what they were doing. The adults in the room, and I use this all the time, no matter if it's uh, grown men or not, the adults in the room, those running that organization, Reinsdorf and Kraus, those two people telling Pippen not to do it, it's almost like saying, telling somebody, you can't beat me in 2K. I'm going to play you in 2K. And Pippen being a young man, even though he may have been advised not to do it, he still took that contract. And I think personally, I don't know this firsthand knowledge, it's my, my personal opinion, I think he took it because he was told not to do it and it was kind of like a challenge to him and ultimately he didn't try to renegotiate I mean he could have at year two year three like hey man look Mike is gone I'm the best player on the team we just won three in a row and we're winning without Mike he's not knocking Mike and saying what Mike did wasn't good he's saying that with me right here running this team we are really really good and pay me more they didn't I don't know if he did it or not but he they didn't do it and then the part I didn't like, I know you didn't ask this, the part I didn't like was him asking for a trade only because I didn't want to, I didn't want to break up that, that chemistry, that team there that they had. But I completely understand it because by the 90, at the end of the 96, 97 season, second player on the second best player on the team won five in set, five championships in seven years. At the end of that, you're realizing guys like they screwed me over. They screwed me. And the only way for me to get more money is to leave. Even Michael Jordan mentioned it. Scotty was selfish. But in it, with him being selfish, I completely understand why he was being selfish at that time. That's a great statement. I'm glad you bring that up. Um, so Michael Jordan did say that. And I've seen people respond to just that statement and say, yo, Michael Jordan is a, for, for saying that, right? Like Michael Jordan is wild for coming out and saying that, you know, Scotty was being selfish. Look at what Scotty was being paid versus what he was being paid. How you going to call that man selfish? How'd you feel about that statement? I had no problem with it at all. I, I had no problem with Michael Jordan being selfish and saying that Scotty at that time was, it was a selfish statement as a teammate. And Michael Jordan is selfish. He, Kobe Bryant selfish. To a degree, LeBron James is selfish. I mean, the great players are selfish players. Now, LeBron James may be a better teammate. Not here to debate that, but he made, there are qualities that LeBron has that, Kobe and Mike didn't really possess and his qualities Kobe had that the other two didn't possess. But I, I completely understand. Even though a selfish individual can say that, I can understand and kind of see Mike's point of view and say, Scotty, this is a team, man. Like, instead of demanding a trade, just demand to negotiate, renegotiate your contract. Like, it's easy. You have one more year. I just got paid. You can very, very easily come back or go before me if I say, hey, man, look, if this is a conversation they could have had at the end of that 96-97 season, Scotty and, Scotty and Mike could have gotten together and said, hey, hey Mike could have gone to Scotty. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and get some more money. I know we just got some more the previous season. We just won our fifth championship. I'm gonna, I, I keep saying that on purpose. As I'm saying that in my head, five and seven championships, bro, that's crazy. We, we, get big on, we get big on the Patriots. We get big on the Warriors. We get big on the, the LeBron Heat. Five championships in seven years? Like, that's, a, that's crazy to think about. But Mike could have gone to Scotty and said, hey, man, hey, Scotty, look, I'm going to try to get more money. I understand. I just won another championship. I understand that I'm still the best player in the NBA. I understand I just got an increase in money, but I want some more money. Hey, here's what we're going to do. You go first, because I know, I know for a fact you could do this. You go first, get your money, then I come in right behind you and get mine. So both of us are taken care of. Because if you get more money, there's no reason, or it could have been vice versa, either one. But they know if Mike goes first, they're going to inflate Mike's contract way higher than Scotty's because Mike is still that dude. So if you go to the second person first, say, hey, uh, I know that hey, Scotty goes in and renegotiates, gets his money, gets his bump, gets happy, um, decides to get surgery at the end of the season instead of right before, instead of right before or during the season. And it's like, okay, Scotty got his, Mike got his. That could have been something that could have been fixed, could have been changed between those two guys talking. But yeah, I man, I, I understand. I understand the statement. I completely understand it. Um, part of being a team, um, yeah. Part of part of being a team is being teammates can be selfish. And when it comes to NBA contracts, 
And even going grouping this with college football, there's a lot of guys transferring out um, because of playing time. Sometimes you have to do what's best for you. And at the time, Scotty thought what was best for him, even though I don't agree with it, was getting traded to start instead of was getting traded to another team instead of staying there and getting and renegotiating his contract. I'm, I'm with Mike, man. Yeah, it was a selfish statement, but a selfish statement in Mike's eyes. I understand why it's coming from Scotty. Got it, 100%. Yo, so, okay, here's, here's this next question. Where do you think this documentary goes from here? Well, they've we already we, get We got a little taste of that Robin thing. We got a little taste mm-hmm. of Robin, right? Um, but going all the way down the line, where do you think it goes? I think they're going to talk – there's going to be one scene where I know Rodman, and I think with Rodman it's going to be very, very detailed about how him being – the I won't say the quiet guy, but he wasn't as vocal. Like, he's vocal, but Robin's a different cat. So I'm thinking they're going to try to add how his dynamic of just mentally being different, physically being gifted in a way that other people aren't, is going to be shown. And I think there's going to be a time that Mike may talk about how Robin doesn't get tired and how that pushed Mike. Because even going back to high school, I watch documentaries all the time, sports fans do, I'm sure you do too. I've seen things about Dennis Rodman in high school. That man never got tired with the Pistons or in college and, and with the Pistons, the Spurs, uh, the Bulls. He never got tired. They talk about how after playing a full game, and you already know he was starting, he was playing 30 plus, 35 plus minutes a game. He would go get on the bike after a game and start doing that cardio after a game. Mm. So he never got tired. And so I'm sure they're going to pinpoint that and talk about how they needed a Dennis Rodman. They needed Rodman's toughness. They needed Rodman going up against uh, the Knicks. The Bull, not the Bulls, the Pacers in the Eastern Conference, um, 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 the Miami Heat with Alonzo Mourning and those boys down there in Miami, they needed Rodman's toughness because Mike couldn't bring that, Pippa couldn't bring that, Kukos definitely wasn't bringing that. Luke Longley was big, seven foot three, but he did not bring the toughness that Rodman did. That mentality, even in those back-to-back series against the Jazz, Dennis Rodman against Karl Malone. You can say whatever you call Malone, uh, one of the best power forwards of all time. I, I'm here for that. I'm here for that debate, that, that debate, that argument, all that stuff. But you could go back to that. Dennis Rodman got in his head numerous times throughout those series. So they needed Dennis Rodman. I think they'll talk about Ron Harper, the kind of the forgotten guy in all this. Mm. A guy that at one point was a 20-point-a-game 20, 20 score, had knee issues, came to the Bulls, and they said, hey, man, look, we know what you were. We know where you are with your body physically. Um, we need you to be a defensive stopper. Now, you think Pippen, you think Jordan, you think length of Dennis, you think Dennis Rodman being physical, being feisty, um, um, pinching you in, the, like in, your, in your thigh and things like that. Like, those are things that Rodman did. But there had to be – okay, so let's say Pippen has somebody and Jordan has somebody. Who's going to be the guy that guard the – who's going to be the guy that guard the other person? You have a, a point guard, a small four, and a shooting guard. Not the same – or not in the right order, but you get it. There's three guys there. You had to have somebody else – defensively be able to guard them. And Harper was willing to uh, change who he was as a player and uh, adjust to the team and then also be a, a guy that at times you could trust to, to flash in a basket and slash and things like that. But I'm expecting a, Dennis, a good detail of Dennis Rodman, a good detail of, um, of, of Ron Harper, a good de- detail of Phil Jackson. Because mm. him himself, yeah, he's the coach. Yeah, he's the guy that – um, the Zen master, whatever word you want to describe, to describe his abnormal way of thinking, his abnormal way of coaching, being able to relay the triangle to all these different players. But a lot of people don't know how he got into Michael Jordan's head. So I'm expecting when he first became the head coach of the Bulls, I think it was a 1991 season, he went, they're going to go back and talk about how Michael Jordan was kind of restricted in the beginning and Mike got frustrated. He's like, here's this guy. He was assistant coach last year. Now he's a head coach and he's restricting me as a player, but it was just Phil Jackson's mind game that he played to say, Hey, get your other teammates involved. And once you get them involved, the rest is, it's easy to the point that Mike was just killing everybody after that and things like that. But I'm expecting that. And then they down the road. Now this may be like episode seven, eight, nine. I don't know. I'm expecting them to really talk about the battles that the Bulls and Pacers had in the mm. in the late 90s. Reggie Miller, people forget yeah, about how yeah, good yeah. that Pacers team was. People forget about how feisty and how much of a competitor Reggie Miller was. Yeah, you see a skinny guy, 6'7", kicks his leg, unorthodox sh- shooting form. 
it doesn't matter. He got better. And he wasn't – now you think of a thin frame. He's not going to be a defender. It don't matter. He knew how to play and to do things that were uh, illegal. I'm a Pacers fan, but I'm, you, see the, you see the Reggie Wayne behind me, Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana uh, uh, t, uh, fan right here. But you're going to see Reggie Miller, hopefully. This is what I'm hoping right now. I'm hoping they talk about that and talk about how – Reggie Miller and those battles that the Pacers had, Rick Smith, Dell Davis, Antonio Davis. I know some people, they're young. They may not know who I'm talking about. Google them. I, this, these are legit battles that Mike and the Bulls had with the Pacers. I hope they talk about that. And then also last, I know it'll be towards the end, but just talk about how, man, those jazz battles. Because nobody gives John Stockton the credit that he deserves in my personal eyes. But John Stockton, there was a reason uh, he was on the dream team over Isaiah Thomas. Now, granted, it was probably some jealousy. It was probably, it was probably Mike being like Isaiah and the Pistons. They knocked out the playoffs. I couldn't get past them, even though I just did to get to the NBA Finals and won after I got past them. You know how it is, man. You're jealous. So Mike being the guy that he was, was like, hey, I don't want Isaiah. I want John Stockton. Now, no matter if you put Isaiah or John Stockton on the dream team, they still want to run the table and beat everybody. Facts. But John Stockton, was he deserved to be on that squad. And I hope that they talk about those battles that the Bulls and the Jazz had um, in that 97-98 season. Yeah, I love it. We got the – I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We got the uh, NFL draft coming up. Okay. And like I said, we just did our mock draft. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of stuff, bro. Like, what, what, what I'm hearing mostly is that every – all the analysts and all the guys in the media, they have this thing wrong. Like, the mock drafts are, are worse. They say the mock drafts um, are the worst predictions or the worst um, set of predictions that they've ever seen, right? And this is from, you know, NFL GMs. They're basically like, everybody has it wrong. And Daniel Jeremiah, right, of the NFL Network basically said that, you know, some GMs have running backs or, or some players, like, in the third round, and those same running backs from other GMs have those guys undrafted, right? Now, we're in an unprecedented time. My wife hates the fact that everybody's saying unprecedented all of, all of a sudden. But um, we're... <laughs> But we're we're in this um, time frame right now where um, you know there's no pro days, bro. There's only virtual pro days, which which you know you can only gather so much information from that. When you meet mm -hmm. with teams, right? Like you have to meet with teams via Skype or via Zoom, right? That's the way they're doing it. You got to go through playbooks with them like that, and you're not able to get the same type of information you were able to get before. This really affects you know guys like we we talk about Sean Payton and and Elvin Kamara, and the reason that whole thing came together was at a pro day. Right, a, a special interaction saying, hey, I want to see you do this. I want to see you do that. And he did it for him, and then, bam, they go up and get him in the third round. Stuff like that happens at pro days, but there's no pro days, right? And all these small school guys, these small school burners, right, they may not even get a chance to get drafted, bro. What, what are some things that – what's the most surprising thing that you think we're going to see in the draft this year? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make a comment about you making a comment about the mock draft first and then get, talk about what I think will happen here second. But mock drafts are normally not right. And I'm not trying to be that guy. Um, I know a lot of people you hear, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., uh, Todd McShay. Um, I know Daniel Jeremiah, what you just mentioned. I know Joe Klatt of uh, Fox Sports, um, lead color analyst for Fox for college football. He's, he's big in the draft as well. Mock drafts are normally not right. Now, for them all. to go from – I know, but for them to go from, like, normally not right to the worst they've ever been, what, you know what I mean? Like, what, what does that even mean? Um, I think it's more speculation or more in anticipation of what people believe without, um, without proof or belief or, like, a source backing it up. That's what I think it is. It's more speculation. Just like you and I, um, we, we think or we may anticipate some things being a little off with – the draft, the virtual draft there. I like it. I'm not against it. And a lot of people saying push it back to where the draft can be done properly and done like it normally is. It don't matter. These are NFL athletes. They don't have to travel to Vegas or, or New York or, or Nashville to get to the draft. They don't care. And honestly, I know some of them will probably still have uh, a few family there to maybe more people in the house than 10. You ain't, what are you going to do, call the cops? Like, that's like if you, if you go to your local park, like, there's going to be 20, 30, 40 people there, maybe in a group. You're not going to call the cops. Like, I, I, I understand it. I understand everybody's thoughts of social distancing and, and the virus. I'm not, I'm not diminishing that at all. But if you have a draft party, you may call your cousin in that lives, lives an hour away. You may call your auntie or your uncle in that live around the corner. You may have more people than that, which I'm fine with. I think that that's more speculation um than actual uh 
than actual things that are, that are proven um, fact. Um, I think this virtual draft is going to be great for – I know I keep going away. I'm going to get right back to what I think is going to happen. But I think the virtual draft is going to be great for the NBA because the NBA is going to have to do something very, very similar. Now, it's not the NFL Network and ESPN coming together with the NBA draft because the NBA draft is done solely by ESPN, not NBA TV and ESPN come together with two different networks. It's a completely different dynamic mm. than what the NBA draft is because a lot of people don't realize, yeah, you got Rich Eisen, and Rich Eisen used to work for ESPN. That was, what, like 15, 16 years ago? He doesn't know the producers. He doesn't, he doesn't know those that are, that are going to be talking to him in his ear. So it's a completely different dynamic. And, like, I understand with him hosting it, him running it, he's going to be a little bit nervous. Like, yeah, who is this in my weird. ear? It, I think that's it, weird, bro. I agree. <laughs> I, 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 I do agree with that. I do think it's weird. I think it can be done. But it is kind of weird because – when he first, I was listening, watching his show, and he was, he said like, yes, yeah, this is going to be um, a joint thing with two different networks. I don't, I, I it can work. I, I believe it can work. I believe it can work. I, I, I do say I believe it can work, but I do find it weird. I think it should be NFL Network or ESPN, or it could be just NFL Network guys, and then you broadcast it on ESPN because ESPN has a lot more people they can reach than the NFL Network because some people can't do that, but. I'm with you. It is, it is kind of weird that there's two different networks. I, I know you got something to say. I'll get back to what I think is going to happen in a second. Now you're good. I like flipping back and forth, man. Like okay. I, I want to have that. So the ESPN, um, the ESPN analysis sometimes is, is, you know, slanted a little bit, right? You know, sometimes yeah. Mel Kuyper's there, Todd Mache there. Um, and, and I'd always appreciate what they have to bring to the table. I love it. Like, I love those two guys, right? And I also love their analysis. However, like I said, sometimes it's slanted and a little bit different. I love to switch over to the NFL Network to get their opinion as well, right? Like, I want to hear, hear two separate sets of opinions. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to kind of get blended because we still have one broadcast that we need to kind of move on. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah. I want to hear the voices of all those guys and I want to hear them in real time. And I don't want to have to wait. And I, I just love, you know, recording it on one, watching it on one and flipping back and forth between the two networks. I think one thing that's going to be very, very interesting, and I forget how ESPN did it last year, but I know that at some point, NFL Network, Rich Eisen, they do their own thing. And even towards like the day three, round six, round seven, they start playing games like, hey, here's this guy. Is he uh, – what school did he go to? Or things with the truck, where the truck will play a video of uh, clips of people's uh, guys' uh, highlights, and they say, where, who is he? Or where did he go? And you have to literally hope that in your bag you did enough research to know, oh, I know exactly who that is. Oh, the ESPN, I know they're going to have their regular – I think maybe Trey Wingo or Kitty – I think Trey Wingo may be the host. I forget who the host is on ESPN. But they also had the college game day guys, Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, um, um, I can't I keep forgetting the guy's name, the, the host of it. Um, uh, um, uh, wow, I keep I, – I just, I just spaced it. Lee Corso, another guy that's on there, yeah. uh, Desmond Howard. Um, they have those guys. So if you're going to have – as we're talking about this, another thought that comes into my head. If you're going to have your Rich Eisen, your – ESPN, Trey Wingo, or uh, Trey Wingo hosting it. Then you have your college game day. That's three different sets. Because I know at one point it was ESPN, ABC, and NFL Network all covering the draft. It's like three different networks, three different perspectives. College game day is going to be more from a college. Like, I'm excited. The ESPN is going to be more like, more like analytical. Like, this is what I think. Great fit, bad fit, kind of in between. NFL Network, those guys have fun. And honestly, to me, sometimes the NFL Network brings better analysis and they bring more analysis with humor than the other two networks do, it may be a good, an odd dynamic if they have three different panels. I sure hope they don't, but if they have three different panels. Man, that's a crazy, crazy dynamic that you bring up. Yeah, man. All right, now, as far as draft picks are concerned, like as far as players, what's the most surprising thing you think you'll see, like in, in, in let's say, the first round? In the first round, um... Well, my gut before reading and doing more research before coming on, my gut was that Tua was going to fall mm. um, because of more things coming up with him. That that's a negative. That I don't. I love Tua's game. I think its injuries are real. I think the hidden injuries they're a real concern. So I thought maybe he was going to fall to the mid to the late of the first round. Still be a first round pick, but still fall a little bit. But more I'm reading, it sure seems like the Dolphins. Um, are going to draft him at some like with the fifth pick, if not the fifth pick, maybe maybe uh, what the, the second pick they have in the first round. Sure, seems like that may happen, but 
I anticipate quite a few offensive linemen getting drafted in the first round mm. and no running backs in the first round. You can see, someone may be wondering, is that because I think that the running back position, the running back position is going to be diminished or is uh, not as important as people say it is kind of, but I think a lot of the teams that are in the first round that are drafting, they don't need, they don't have the need of a running back. They have more quarterback need, O-line need, D-line need, um, some receiver need, um, but there's not really much talk about running backs as a huge need. Um, you have DeAndre Swift, you have J.K. Dobbins, um, you have Jonathan Taylor. I mean, these are guys that are that in any other draft. They're, for, I mean, they're first round talent. I'm not saying that they're not first round talent, but my main thing, I don't think we'll see any. Um, my, originally, I thought Tua may fall, but I don't think it's going to happen. The Dolphins probably draft him fifth pick. I mean, you you ride or die with your pick. Um, could be trade bait. I don't know. I mean, it could it could literally be we draft him and we trade him for someone else. Uh, I doubt it may happen, but it could be. But um, a lot of old linemen drafted first round four or five, uh, primarily offensive tackles, but then also no running backs drafted in the first round at all. Mm, okay, so this is this is kind of funny because I'm seeing um, I'm seeing a few of those guys attached to first round teams, right? Like J.K. Dobbins, I'm seeing attached to the Saints. Um, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit more rumblings about you know Chiefs and possibly them going after a running back, right? And we know in our mock draft, you know, our, our Chiefs guy was like, no way, right? Like we're going completely against that grain. Um, but I'm, I'm hearing some people link to him, and I don't know if Swift makes it out of that first round. I really don't. I don't know if Swift makes out of first round, but that seems to be a going thing, right? That this yeah. will be a situation where, you know, those guys won't be there. Um, what's something that you think will happen and that you're willing to bet on it? Like, look, this will happen and I'll bet on it. Ooh, ooh, that's tough. Um, oh, and man. And what you willing to bet? <laughs> <laughs> that's tough because yesterday I had a thought in my head. I was talking with somebody else. Um, recording from my podcast interview that's going to be dropping on Wednesday with the guy that works for NFL Draft Bible. And I was thinking that this is not what I'm going to bet on. But I was thinking that Joe Burrow might be a, a one-hit wonder. Um, mm. Only because of the situation that he goes into. Not saying that he is not adaptable or he's a guy that can't adjust to different systems. But if he gets drafted by the Bengals and they don't draft him and he spends his career like an Andy Dalton there, I, I don't know because they don't they don't really take care of quarterbacks like that. They don't really groom players like that. Ocho Cinco, yeah, great. What did he do? Did they did they win much? Now I know you don't win much with, with receivers, but what do you do? And not much at all. Um, AJ Green, not the I, a great receiver, but has he done anything with them? Andy Dalton, could he have gotten better? Uh, yeah, I know he was a mediocre average quarterback, but could he have gotten better with proper coaching and getting Marvin Lewis up out the paint? He was there for way too long. Yeah, he could have. Did it happen? No. So those are just three examples of guys that receivers and a quarterback that are vital parts to a team. Interior. Is their interior O-line, D-line great, superior? No. Has, has it ever been? Maybe a couple years. And I know they had a good running back. I think it was Corey Dillon. Um, but no. Um, so I'm just kind of worried about Joe Burrow. Um, I know what he can do. You, I, I'm sure you know what he can do. Um, it's just all about situation. Is, is if he, and if he's going to stay there and if he's there for a long time, but what would I bet on? Wow. Um, oh man. Uh, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to say this. Some made, it's not really like a, a huge, huge hot take. Um, but I do believe Chase Young's going to be a 10 time plus pro bowler. I will say that I'm not one to normally make those type of statements prior to um, a player getting drafted, a player playing into the league. That's not normally my, my uh, idea of how, someone should properly uh, talk about sports. It's not me at all. There's guys to do that. I don't agree with their, um, with them doing that a lot of the times, but Hey, it's fun to talk about things like that. But I do, I would say, um, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Um, Ohio well, like, State guys. Give me one, give me one, um, give me one thing that you think that you know for sure will happen in the draft, like something in the draft that you can bet on. Like a draft, like a draft position. Yeah, like no, not draft a draft position. Possible, okay, a draft position or a player or something in the draft that you know for a fact will happen. And I also want the other thing you was about to give me. Go ahead. Um, I'll give you the first thing, the other thing first, because I got to think about the uh, the guarantee. Okay. Um, but Chase Young, ten time Pro Bowler, ten time plus Pro Bowler. That's um, crazy. He's already he's already he's already showed that 
this past season, and even 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 the year before that, he already showed that he's going to be a he's a great guy, great talent. Um, I think tech, uh, technically sound. Uh, he's getting better. He's not a Bosa, a Joy Bosa or a Nick Bosa. Technically, with the hands he's get, but his explosion, like his, his ability to just get up and go whenever he needs to, is there. Um, Jeff Okuda. That's the other thing I was going to tell you. Jeff Okuda, very, very, very high on him. Um, probably higher on him than a lot of people. Now, there are people already high on him, but he's one of those guys that you put him on the field on one side of the field, shuts it down immediately. Um, six one, like six one two hundred. So he's not like a guy that's five nine, five ten. That's going to be struggling with the height. He already has. I think he already he already has the height, uh, the length to get there. So I'm very high on on Jeff Okuda. I hope this is a hope, not my guarantee, but I surely hope the Lions don't mess this up because you move Darius Slay. You have a guy right there. I think I think they, I think they picked number three. You have a guy right there that's going to fill that slot immediately day one. Yeah, you may not have OTAs. Yeah, another rookies may report a little bit early to training camp. Great. But Jeff Okuda, you can't mess this up. And that's my thing for the Lions. Um, not gonna think about my guarantee. I know I'll keep talking, but um You're good, brother. Wow, man. Um say something real quick so I can think of it a little bit more. All right. I'm sorry, so I'm talking I'm about thinking, that. <laughs> I'm thinking, all right. So when you think about guarantees in the draft, I'm wondering if you can guarantee Joe Burrow goes number one. You can mm-hmm. guarantee Chase Young goes number two. Can you guarantee that Jordan Love doesn't fall out of the first round? Can you guarantee that Justin Herbert doesn't fall past fi- past pick 15, right? Can you guarantee that Jeff Okuda doesn't make it out of the top five? Those are things that I'm, t- I'm kind of looking for when I'm talking about I'm talking about a draft guarantee, right? Because as I'm looking at it, there's a few different guys, man, that I just don't think will make it out of the first round. And honestly, I think DeAndre Swift was one of those guys. But, I mean, I've been shocked before with guys who slipped out. So Jonathan Taylor is another guy, right? Um, with his type of talent, I think he does slip. I think he slips, but I think maybe early second. You feel what I'm saying? And no later than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I'm thinking about day one, right, there's, I've seen multiple mock drafts where um, Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen could fall out of the first round. And I just don't see it in today's NFL with those coverage-type linebackers, right? Mm-mm. With those guys who can excel in coverage and play all three downs, I don't really see them falling out of the first round, especially with linebacker-needy teams like um, the Eagles, like the Saints, right, like um, the Patriots. I really don't see them doing that. However, you never know. So with that being said, where you at? I got two. I okay, got two. run that. Um, I'm ready? I don't see – Ooh, I had this name written down. Um, Makai Becton. I don't see Makai Becton's failed drug test being a problem. Okay. I don't. That's big. That's big. Um, okay. Because um, I don't know if it was weed. I don't know exactly what he failed. You have, your, you have his, his college coaches saying he's not going to be a guy that has a problem with um, illegal substances or things like that. Um, so if it did happen, it could have been somebody that he didn't know said, hey, man, Take put this in your body. I, I'm a, I, I may have some medical backing behind them, and they say, "Hey, man, put this in your body. You're going to be good." I understand. Get the combine coming up. I understand. They go to drug test you. This will propel you to get better. Ultimately, it's illegal. If you failed a drug test, um, if it's weed, the NFL is not suspending for it. So why should they even care? Like, I, I, no matter no matter if you're for weed or you're against weed, if you think they should suspend people for it or not, they're not suspending people for it. So like, <laughs> why should the teams care? So Makai Becton is, is or against we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I say I say weird things sometimes. So I don't think I love it. His, um, I don't believe his failed drug test, and that was just the only one. There were multiple people that failed the drug test that got flagged. And you know how it is. They flagged the combine was in February. They gonna flag you in April, the week of big. Like, come on now, like somebody's out there to get you. You remember um, a year or two ago there was there was a young guy that was a dude yes. with a mask on, Tussle. Yes, let me, yeah. why in the world are you going to bring that up the day of the draft and then delete it, and then all of a sudden before you delete it, it's already all over the place. Like, somebody's out there to get you. We don't even bring it up about Larry Tunstall no more. Nobody yeah. does. I Nobody it brings it up. The day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I, I understand it. I understand why some people like that, but I don't believe that's going to be there. Um, I do think this – okay, so people may think I, this isn't much. I do think Jerry Judy's the first receiver taken off the board. Easily. Mm. Um, I do believe that. And you know, I, the, I talk- you know the new trend right now, right? That CeeDee Lamb trend has been the new trend. And I, and I, and I like where you're going with this. Yes. 
Um, I think with I think with Jerry Judy, he's more technically sound right now, and we saw it all the time in Alabama. And I'm gonna I, keep, I know I keep biggie piggybacking off the guy I just had on my podcast, but the interview went went amazing. Um, he even talked about. I said so with Jerry Judy. You talk about how he is. He's great. He's he's great with separation. Is it his footwork right off the line, or is it his hand separation, or is it something different? He said, he said it's everything. And this is the guy that studies this for a living. Like, he's able to get um, inside knowledge that you and I may not be able to have uh, get our hands on. Right off the line, Jerry Judy's fine. Hand separation, he's fine. Um, at the catch point, he's fine. With his routes running, he's fine. Almost that guy that any team, if you need a number two right now or – you want a number one, you kind of have to you're gonna have to groom them right away because it's kind of it's very, very hard for these receivers to come, even your, your top receiver, to come from college to go to the NFL to be day one ready starter automatically. We've seen it, but it's so so rare. So if you want a guy to be like, hey, kind of like the Colts did. I know the jersey right behind me, the hats on my head. The Colts did with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Um, I think it was 96 and then like 0102 draft. Marvin Harrison already made a name for himself. Marvin Harrison was already there. There was no solidified number two. Any other team, Reggie Wayne's a number two receiver. But there's a guy out there that you know in the draft, Reggie Wayne coming from Miami, coming from the U, all those guys that come there were in that program, Andre Johnson. I know a guy that a number of people talk about, Roscoe Paris. Like, that team was loaded with talent all over the place. Reggie Wayne came in, and he was a solidified number two and didn't leave. So do you want to take a number one and say, hey, Jerry Judy, you can be my number one right now, or do you want to be him, make him be your number two, a Reggie Wayne-esque kind of guy? I didn't put this up here behind me on purpose. I didn't know it was going to come out of my mouth, but it, but it fits. Jerry Judy, first receiver off the board. I would, I'll put my – now that right there, I will put my money on that one. I will put my money on that. Um, Jerry Judy, first receiver off the board, and then also that Kai Becton. The NFL, man, it's 2020. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a big deal at all. I love it. I love it, yo. So, so you you've alluded to your podcast um a few times, man. Tell us about um your podcast. Tell us about the Jay Stevens podcast. What what brought it about? Why did it start off, man? And then how have you been enjoying um the growing process? Okay, the podcast started May twelfth, two thousand nineteen. I know that date specifically because it was Mother's Day. All my life, like a lot of sports fans, we talk about sports. We get in conversations. We don't say anything until sports comes up. Me and my, my uncle and I, he, we're big into high school basketball here in Indiana. So sometimes he'll go to games up there. A team from Indianapolis goes to Fort Wayne. He'll ask me about players numerous times this year. A.J. Lawrence North is playing. Who, who on their team is going D1? Well, I said, oh, people listening, um, Tony Perkins is going to be going to Iowa. Already signed there. They got a couple of juniors, D.J. Hughes and Shamar Avance. I'll probably get some D1 offers. Actually, mm. I was at a game when Shamar Avance got a D1 offer from a local school, IUPUI, the school George Hill went to, just to kind of relate that connection there. Um, but with the podcast, it had been something that for a while I had wanted to do. Out of college, I wanted to go to Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, to go to major in communications and host a sports radio show, sports talk radio show. Uh, plans changed. That never happened. And then as I got older, I'm like, this is all I talk about. If I go to a family function, yeah, I'll talk. I'll goof around. I'm, I joke around. You see, I got a smile on my face. Like, I'm a goofy guy. Like, I like to have fun. But there's a time that when that sports conversation gets turned on, someone says one thing. It could be about golf. And I'm not a big golf fan. Tiger's on, I watch. But most of the time, I don't, I don't watch it. But there's a, there's a switch that got flipped on. The conversation went from my, my interest got peaked up, got, got a little more. Uh, I got more tuned into the conversation. So I'm like, there's got to be a way I got to do a podcast. There has to be a way. And I mentioned Mother's Day because my mom and my dad, they've been big supporters. But you know how your mom is. Your mom's your number one supporter, no matter what's going on in your life. If, you do, if, you do, if you're doing something wrong, your mom's right there. to. She may hit you. She may push you. She don't care. Mom can do whatever she wants to. She can get you, um, get in your face and say, hey, uh, uh, stop that. You know, you know better. As your supporter saying, stop being foolish. Do something better. Or... She constantly pushed me to try and find a job in sports radio. I didn't know how to get into it. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have anybody. Um, it, like, I don't have the uh, ESPN behind me saying, oh, I work for ESPN. I can be the worst guy at ESPN. But because I work there, I'm getting a job because of the name of, the, of who I work for. So I didn't have any of that. So I didn't know how to do it. And then lo and behold, I came across the host of my podcast, Anchor, and they made it so very easy for me. My first, I'm going to give you a little inside knowledge to listeners of this. I started off, I'm trying to get my phone out. So I started off with my phone, my cell phone, downloaded the Anchor app, used the headphones that came, that come with the 
uh, the iPhone, use those. And that was my, that was how I recorded. Now Anchor provides a way for you to record as well. So that was how I recorded. I recorded via my phone. I recorded via my headphones. And you see the microphone. Now you see the headphones here. This came later. I encourage everybody. This is, I, I say a lot of stuff that's not planned. It just comes out of my mouth. If you are, if you're thinking about doing something that's a project that can better you with your future, uh, a hobby that could possibly be a career, go for it. Go for it and do it. Because I have my phone, my headphones are over on my couch. I still have them. It was that easy. Now you say, well, how did the podcast progress? How did, how did it keep going? Well, by episode number two, I was nervous, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. I was nervous. I'm like, okay, episode one flowed. It was 10 and a half minutes. They didn't know what I was doing. I was just rambling. But episode number two, like, I got to get more details. I got to actually make, put some substance, put some meat, put some good content to this thing to get people to, to, get people to keep listening. Man, I was so nervous. I stopped over and over and over and over and over. I'm like, I can't do this. I almost stopped. And then I finished it. Episode number three, I started talking about the Warriors. I kind of got my current format going of different topics. I, beginning, I had three topics I talked about. Now I have four. Um, and I do. I go twice a week. But when I was doing once a week, I was like, ah, this is going to be difficult. Nope. It wasn't. Once I started rolling in, one of my favorite topics early on was talking about the Golden State Warriors, the dynasty run they had right before the NBA final started. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I start rolling. I start running about talking about Run TMC, uh, uh, um, Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. The, the Warriors, they had a great offense, but they suck. Like, they couldn't really get anywhere in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, they get uh, um, the, the Believe team or whatever it was with Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson. Uh, I think Monte Ellis on that team. Like, you, they believe, like, this is exciting. And then the, the Warriors drop down again. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm getting my groove, getting my thing going. And then, man, I, I know early on I said, we're going to have guests. How do I reach out to guests? Mm. Do I use social media? Do I use emails? Do I do, use connects? Just go for it. Like, I literally just start, like, how you reach out to me for the month draft. Like, just message people. I, I message Marcus. I message, I'm going to say the name. I'm going to say Marcus Spears. I tried to get him on. Didn't happen. Um, I tried to get some other guy big names on. Didn't happen. That don't stop me. Like, that don't stop you at all. Just just keep on going. And so right now, the JTOS podcast started on Mother's Day. Um, wasn't expected to happen that day. I looked down at the calendar. Oh, it's Mother's Day. My mom kind of, my mom will love this. Um, so it's kind of like a thing for my mom. Like you're my big supporter. Um, thank you for that. Keep pushing me. And then I'll start that on that day. Um, one of your anniversaries coming up May 12th of 2020 excited for that. Um, but I do try to have four different topics. Um, every single episode comes out twice a week, every Monday, every Thursday this week for the, uh, for the draft. We're doing a, we're doing three. So we're going to do one. I one today being Monday, drop the interview I did Sunday um, on Wednesday, the day before the draft, getting everybody ready for the NFL draft. And then Thursday, I'll go solo again. Normally Mondays are me by myself. Thursdays at midweek is the time I have a guest on. I have a lot of podcasters. I'm going to start getting out to people that do team-specific things, try to get more national um, writers, national hosts on. Um, but I love it, man. This podcasting thing. People can tell that I talk a lot. I ramble. Uh, there's a point that I'm going at it with everything that I say, and I enjoy it. Um, podcasting is fun. What you do, I'm sure you – I, I can tell by the smile on your face, look at your face. You love it as well. Um, this whole thing, it's a fun journey, and I'm not planning on stopping anytime soon. Yo, man, I think the reason why I'm so um, – you know, I'm smiling and, and geeked is because that's the way we started too, right, on Anchor, right? Like, you, I, <laughs> I hopped on Anchor. Somebody showed me how to use Anchor, and after that, it was a wrap. I was like, yeah. I was like, yo, from here on out, I start like we start gathering up um guys, man, putting together uh this podcast network and just trying to bring in some of the best podcasters around, you know what I mean? Just to kind of put on the network and and ha I, and I think the the process of growing has been like one of the the funnest and most challenging things that I've ever really really done, right? Because um kicking off your new Twitter page and um uh, and having one, two, three followers. And then having to watch that grow steadily over mm -hmm. time to like mm -hmm. 20 and then 40 and then 50, right? And then you're like, a thousand's a far, a far cry away from 50. You know what I mean? Like, bro, it was, it was so tough to, to just kick off the growing process. And you're right, like reaching out to, finding out who to reach out to. I first yeah. had my first reach out with Julio Jones, straight up. I'm like, Julio, my name is Derek <laughs> 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 Come on, my podcast. Um, and of course he ignored it, 
but um so, but that's that's kind of the deal right like through through the growth process and growing man it's so much to do and it's so much to, to get involved in but if you love what you do it's a fun process and i love the way you you jumped off into that anchor commercial real quick that's a, that's a good <laughs> man i could talk about that for days i yeah, i, yeah, I personally I have yeah i personally have my buddy garrett he, he's been on my podcast like two or three times he's just he's just a fan he's really just a fan um me and him went to college together and then he ended up uh starting a podcast recently going to drop his first episode soon i had another one of my friends went to high school with her um she's her one of her, her one of her friends they started a podcast about bravo tv shows hawthorne anchor a connection that i had on twitter um, an Ohio State fan started something. It's called the Short and Sweet. It's not all sports, guys. Like you can do a podcast about anything. And they and she she started one just about like little like random things. Like um, Ohio, she went to Ohio State game. She talked about that. Talked about um some relationship things that she's had. Like everyday life stuff she talks about and anything. And so I know I threw the anchor commercial in there, but it wasn't on purpose. But anchor it makes it so easy that people that I know on a personal level they have used Anchor in their own right to start their own hobby. If it becomes to be a career, or great, go for it. But ultimately, if it's a hobby that you do for me twice a week, for some people once a month, go for it because it's fun. It's, the Anchor commercial just came out of nowhere, but it, it fits. I didn't, I didn't know you started on Anchor. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, I'm still. we're still on Anchor. That's what we do. Like, I love Anchor. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, and, and so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind you dropping that commercial, man. I'm with it. Look. Um, anchors the people who pay, so I'm like, all right, let's run with that too. Yep, that's it. That's you it. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yo, thank you so much for joining us today, bro. It's been a pleasure having you on. We're definitely gonna invite you back, man. All, always awesome then to interact and engage with you. I know this just kind of happened, right? Like it was last week. I was reaching out, um, and then I'm like, hey, you popped on the mock draft and you did your thing. I'm glad you were able to join us today, bro. We appreciate having you, and we thank you so much for hopping on today. Rick, thank you so much. Um, for allowing me to come on and, and just, just talk it up. It was perfect at perfect time. And the last dance happened last night on ESPN. Only that, I, I know I mentioned earlier, two things that can make it better. Um, or maybe I didn't mention, I'll mention it now. <clears throat> uh, you you uh, take out the commercials and then you just air that thing. If you want to start episode three and episode four at nine o'clock and the 10 o'clock, finish everything else the rest of the night i'm still working <laughs> i personally will stay up the rest of the night to finish that thing maybe get no sleep going to work why are you so tired why are you so why are you why are your eyes got that that stuff in it hey man mike was on yeah. <laughs> no said run them joints man run yeah, them, man, run them. and look look I, I wonder when when the craze will go away like i, I hope it, i hope it's not spread out too far to where the craze kind of like you know, goes away after episode, like, I don't know, four or five, you know what I mean? Everybody's like, oh, I'm done with this, right? Like, I, I want that joint to continue. I want it to keep going, and I want the, the I want the craze, and I want the attention to stay on it. You feel what I'm saying? And what they did last no, night yeah. with that Pippin cliffhanger, I think it yeah. was a good way to keep us coming back. Yeah, I don't think it'll go away because it's Mike. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to downplay other athletes. There are lots of great athletes, Wayne Gretzky, for hockey fans out there. There are a lot of great athletes out there, but Mike is just different. Another guy that's just different is Tiger Woods, but you're not going to, you're not going to get a lot of people to be drawn at nine o'clock on a Sunday evening. Even if there's nothing going on to watch a Tiger Woods documentary, you, 10 parts, one part, five parts. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Michael is, Michael is just different. So I, I don't, I don't think that it's going to go away. That craze that, uh, the, the the lure to us, the, the ability to us, just literally, I sit on my couch. Next thing I know, I look at a commercial. I a commercial come on, look at my phone, 20 minutes. Felt like five. It's Mike. Michael Jordan is literally different. If you want me to describe it in a different way, I cannot. Because it's a title of my podcast, episode that dropped today, uh, JCM's podcast, um, follow it. Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and find, find that one. But you, there's no other word to find or to try to describe Michael Jordan because he's just different. I can't find another word. Maybe you can. But Mike being different, I think it's going to be one that's going to pull everyone every single week to watch it. I know people that watched it because Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center show came on right after that. He had interviews with um, Jackie McMullen. Yo, didn't they run that thing like, like he was coming on right after an actual game? Man, he sure did, bro, right immediately. <laughs> wasn't no stopping, wasn't no hesitation, all like, hey, he right there ready to go. But I think, like, and then they played it right after. They played episode yep. one, number two right after his show. But 
it's Mike, man, and I don't think we're going to lose it. I honestly think and I hope that Netflix picks this up and says after ESPN airs it, we're not going to charge you extra for it. We're going to put it on Netflix. And I think that's what I hope that's what happens because and don't take it off like they do other stuff like y'all be taking uh y'all take y'all be taking house party off house party too like all the, like I I gonna say like all the black stuff but they take they take, they take white stuff off too but but uh don't take Mike off don't take Mike you yeah, you saw Paris you saw Asia it don't matter don't take Mike off Netflix it's probably going to ESPN Plus because you know they want man drive you gotta up. pay that five dollars for that they, thing man they want, yeah they want to drive with those subscriptions man so that that's probably where that thing going. And if you want to see it again, that's probably what's going to happen. You know what I can't find right now that I'm really looking for? Do you remember that new edition joint? Was that? Uh, was the, that new? The, what do you mean, like a song? Remember that? No, no, the um, the miniseries. Yes, yes. You know, that was on BET, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. find that nowhere. I think you got to get you got to buy BET for that. And so I'm feeling like <laughs> I'm feeling like you're gonna have to um go ahead and sign up for ESPN plus to get a chance to, to dive into this, man. But I'm I'm here for it. As long as you're yeah. airing right now, I'm here for it, yo. Thank yeah. you once again for joining us, bro. We appreciate you coming on. Rick, thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, y'all. With Rick and said this is MTNV Sports. We out. God bless. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like pop. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. Hot.